0: purchase your groceries at a supermarket, you will have noticed that much of the food offered for sale has an expiration date stamped on it. This is the date after which the products, such as milk and meat, have exceeded their shelf life and should be discarded. Expiration dates don't just exist in supermarkets. There is something similar in the courtroom. When someone is accused of a crime, a time-out date is automatically set. This is the last date that the accused must be brought to trial. If that time limit expires before the accused is brought to trial, the case must be dismissed. It has timed out. But while expiry dates are relevant in grocery stores and law courts, do they apply to sin? If an injustice took place 10 or 20 or 200 years ago, can we just forget about it? Does it time out? Or do later generations of God's people have a responsibility to correct the injustice? If you've ever wondered if we are responsible for the past injustices of others, you will want to join Nathan Norman, Kent Edwards, and Vicki Hitzkiss as they look and learn along with King David in 2 Samuel chapter 21. Welcome to Crosstalk, a Christian podcast whose goal is for us to encourage each other to not only increase our knowledge of the Bible— But to take the next step beyond information into transformation. Our goal is to bring the Bible to life into all our lives. I'm Brian French. Today, Dr. Kent Edwards, Vicky Hitzkiss, and Nathan Norman continue their discussion through the book of 2 Samuel. If you have a Bible handy, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 21 as we join their discussion.
1: Vicky, Nathan, do you ever worry about expiry dates
2: when you grocery shop?
3: I do. When I reach for milk, I try to get—I try to get the freshest one that's in there.
2: Mm-hmm. You got to reach in the back, right? You can't grab that one up front. <laughs> you
3: have to reach in the back. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I know when I buy bread, I have to hold it up to the light so that I can actually see where the expiration date is is posted and, and the light will refract where it is because uh, because they usually stamp it over somewhere where you can't read it. They yeah. try
3: to hide it, so you'll just buy it just and go.
2: Just buy it. It's not worth my time uh-huh. looking it up.
1: <laughs> uh, sometimes in my haste, I will just, you know, grab whatever salad bag or whatever is at the front, but... Uh, there have been times I got home and opened the bag and went, oh, not much in here. I think that uh, my wife and I want to eat. So I've uh, I've paid the price. <laughs> and in the courtroom, too, there are expiry dates. I know that because my parents uh, passed away a few years ago and uh, our executor has uh, not done anything to settle the estate. And so now the lawyers are out telling this person, no, you better do something because time is running out. And if you don't, the courts will step in. So for law courts, for groceries, there are expiry dates, but does that apply to sin? There's considerable debate today over our responsibility for the sins that other people have committed. Even when they are no longer living, they we're still responsible to, uh, to uh, address them. Some people argue that bygones should be God, bygones. Happened a long time ago, let God sort it out in eternity. What opinions have you heard on this subject?
3: You know what? I just bet because you brought it up, I'm going to be on the wrong side of this. <laughs> I, did, I just bet. Well, I, I think when people have been wronged in the long ago, mm-hmm. it didn't happen to them, and I didn't do it. Don't hold me responsible for it. There's enough pain going on right now. Deal with it.
2: Yeah, you hear about this with uh, reparations for descendants of slaves in America, mm-hmm. where you know the thought process is – that uh, there were people forced against their will into slavery and America prospered off of that. uh, And so, and we're descendants are even prospering off of that. So uh, the descendants of slaves should be able to have uh, reparations. Um, You have it currently in law with native Americans. There are uh, particular types of reparations given to native Americans uh, because of land deals that were made. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and those are often still fought over or uh, adjudicated in courts to this day.
1: Sure. Yeah, there's strong opinions on both sides. Yes, we must deal with this. And why would we deal with this? It's not our issue. And I've had questions personally, how do I respond? And uh, was never really sure of what path I should take, which is why chapter 21 of Second Samuel, really I found very, very helpful. It starts off by introducing the tension of the story. Vicky, do you want to introduce that to us in verse one?
3: Sure, I do. During the reign of David, there was a famine for three successive years. So, th- you know, I picture empty grocery store mm. shelves at, mm-hmm. at the beginning of COVID, no toilet paper, no this, no that, but imagine that for th- three years so david sought the face of the lord the lord said it is on account of saul and his blood-stained house it is because he put the gibeonites to death
1: so this first part of this verse really resonates with me because i live in southern california and we have had um, years of excessive drought i know how firsthand how important water is our reservoirs are almost empty Uh, farmers just don't have the water they need in order to grow the crops. And, uh, you know, uh, California produces a lot of the food for the entire nation of America. So to uh, to not have water is a serious problem. And if it's a problem for us today, imagine what it was like uh, in Bible times. They did not have some of the technologies that we have. They didn't have uh, uh, a drip system to... uh, provide water to some of their necessary plants they didn't have the kind of hybrid plants that we have that are more drought resistant and this meant there was a famine and the nation could die so think joseph when the brothers had to come to him in genesis and beg for food or they would die and we understand the cause of that it's very plain because the narrator as you just read said, <laughs> the famine is to um, get yourself a, um, is so that you pay attention to the fact that Saul put the Gibeonites to death. This is divine punishment for Saul's actions. By the way, Saul, um, he's not around, right?
3: I don't think so. He's, he, he's gone now. He's long dead. dead, right? dead. Yeah.
1: He's long dead. So this is huh. a generation ago, Right. So he died in 1 Samuel 31 on on Mount Gilboa. He died in a different book.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Wow, interesting.
1: So uh, this has come because he put the Gibeonites to death. Okay, so now who in the world were the Gibeonites? Nathan, can you help us with this?
2: Yeah, this goes all the way back to Joshua when God commanded... Israel to cleanse the promised land of all the mm-hmm. Canaanites they were supposed to go and chase out or destroy all the peoples in the land, and uh around Joshua nine, there was a group of people that well, they came and and had a clever a clever ruse. They were smart, weren't they 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 were I think they, it was genius they, they had <laughs> old, dirty clothes, they had worn out shoes. And they were just from up over the hill, but they pretended like they'd come from a really, really distant place. And uh, and they approached. <laughs> I, well, they, I think they even had moldy bread with them. They did. <laughs> Look how moldy <laughs> this bread is. And, and old cl- cracked wineskins. And they, they said, we want to, we, we've want we heard stories about how the Lord has delivered you from the hand of Egypt and how he has given you all this land. And, <laughs> and we're, we're not from this land, but we're way over there. And, and we want to have a, a, a good tr- peace treaty with you so that you can have good neighbors when you finally settle in all this land. <laughs> and, of course, they were just from over the hill. They were in the promised land, but Israel had entered into a covenant with them that they entered in the name of God, in the name of Yahweh they did that they uh, they would be peaceful neighbors and so because god uh, honors his agreements he wants his people especially if the agreement was made in his name he wanted israel to um, have them as good neighbors even though they should have chased them out yeah
1: and in joshua 9 it is we read that the israelites did not attack the gibbonites because the leaders of the assembly had sworn an oath to them by the lord the god of israel when they discovered the ruse, they didn't attack them, right? Because they, their oath stood. They stood by their word. Instead, they said, "No, um, let them live, but, them, but let them be woodcutters and water carriers in the service of the whole assembly." So the leaders' promise to them was kept. So that's how it ends in Joshua nine. So they were, in essence, they served the uh, the temple. They cut the wood, they hauled the water, but they did not lose their lives because uh, the leaders of Israel had made a promise. So, that's the history lesson. What's the issue in 2 Samuel chapter 21? In verse 2, what does it say?
3: It says, Now the Gibeonites were not a part of Israel, but were survivors of the Amorites. The Israelites had sworn to spare them, but Saul, in his zeal for Israel and Judah, had tried to annihilate
1: them. Wow. Now, I don't see in the book of Samuel this uh, event mentioned, but obviously it did because the narrator is telling us this. The narrator is telling us, just like Russia and Ukraine today, it's genocide. Mm -hmm. They are trying, like the Nazis with the Jews in the Second World War, they're trying to wipe their whole nation out And Saul and zeal, did just that. That's evil. That's wrong. And God said, because of that, that's why you've got this drought. That's why you've got this famine. Because of that generational sin. Hmm. So David's got a problem. The problem is not just the weather patterns, but the weather patterns have been changed because of the sin of Saul in the past. So, what does David do in response?
3: It says, The king summoned the Gibeonites and spoke to them, What do you want me to do for you, David asked. And they answered the king, As for the man who destroyed us and plotted against us, so that we have been decimated and have no place anywhere in Israel, let seven of his male descendants be given to us to be killed. Oh, my golly and their bodies exposed before the Lord Gebeah of Saul, the Lord's chosen one. So the king said, I will give them to you. Wow. Betting he didn't ask for volunteers.
2: No.
1: The text goes on to tell us he didn't send Saul's direct descendant in order to pay the price, but members of Saul's family were sent and handed over to the Gibeonites. And they, in a place that was represented um, Saul's family, they were executed all at once, and they lay exposed for a number of days so that everyone could see that justice had been done. Hmm. It's a gruesome story.
3: It's a bothersome story.
1: That plays out justice in a very different time and culture. But I still find it helpful and instructive. There's no question that injustice occurs today, just like it did in the days of old, right?
3: Absolutely.
1: It does. I know recently I... uh, read terrible stories um, in the news about uh, boarding schools, religious boarding schools in Canada. They have discovered, more recently, horrific, horrific examples of f- sexual abuse that took place then and murder that took place then where Aboriginal children were sent off to boarding school to get an education they could not otherwise have and were just horribly abused and uh, taken advantage of, Uh, terrible sin, terrible sin. I I was interested by the fact that people, uh, at least in the Canadian environment, called for Christians to hold what were called solemn assemblies, where Christians would come together and repent of the sins that were done to Canadian uh, native peoples. In fact i know for this and for other heinous sins there were even caravans of people that went across the country to repent of the sins of generations past i've wrestled with that Um, i mean obviously the sin is sin and um, and it's evil and it's wrong but i guess my question was how can i repent for someone else's sins right i mean i mean repent is to turn back and And stop doing what you're doing. To do it no more. Uh To do it no more. But I didn't do it. I'm horrified by it. So I don't think I can repent. Don't you agree?
3: I would think that.
2: It feels like that on the surface. But then, I mean, as you read through Scripture, Daniel 9, you have Daniel repenting on behalf of the kingdom of Israel. uh, So that God will restore Israel and return them from their... Their exile. Here you have Daniel. I mean, if there's ever anyone who doesn't have to repent for the sins of his nation, it's Daniel, right? And -hmm. yet he prayed this incredible prayer of repentance in Daniel 9. And he he uses the term we. Mm -hmm. This is us. We have done this. We have violated your law.
1: Yeah. So I, yeah, that makes sense to me. But what is, what... David, I don't see David acting in that way in this instance. I don't see him repenting, sure. um, but I do think that uh, you're right. He acknowledges rather than an individualistic approach to, to, to his faith, that there's a corporate dimension, right? Right. So he is part of Israel. Israel has a debt. There has been an injustice that has been done that must be corrected. That, uh, Uh, that makes sense doesn't it
2: yeah absolutely
1: Uh, in fact we read in second samuel 21 how does that chapter end after that god answered the prayer in behalf of the land hmm so there is a necessary obligation that i have when my people have done a deliberate injustice to do what I can to rectify that, that debt, to pay that debt. In this case, it was kind of a life for life. It wasn't person to person. Um, there were seven as opposed to, you know, seven um, how many thousands of people saw murdered of them. It wasn't one for one, but there was a recognition that I need to pay. There's a piece of land in the outskirts of Los Angeles That was owned by a black family and uh the town just took it years ago they just took it and made it a park and took the land away from this family
3: wow Hmm.
1: i was amazed and pleased to see that a few months ago the city rectified that and uh, gave it back to the descendants of the original family i think that's honorable i think if we have done a grave injustice to someone in the past, what can we do even today to acknowledge that mistake and make it right the best that we can? I may not have to personally own that sin, but as a child of God, I can elevate and stand with justice and do whatever I can. The secular world does this. If you um, if you take someone's life, you're not required to um a car accident some manslaughter you may not have to give your own life but you may have to pay a huge price for taking that life away we've had an episode in america with this podcaster that um, denied the sandy hook shootings and he um, blamed the families, said it was all staged. I mean, he just put the families of those murdered children through tremendous agony. And recently, the courts held him accountable, and he owes one and a half billion dollars, I think, in restitution for what he's done. The world does it. And I would like to see the church, us as Christians, also recognize the importance of justice. And where possible, when uh, gross injustice has been done, to do what we can to make things right. I know God will make all things right in eternity, but that doesn't mean that if we are in the image of Christ, we don't follow
2: His example.
1: Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, it's hard because I just want to hit the reset button. And it's like I didn't, I didn't do, I didn't do the thing, so uh, <laughs> I, I'm off the hook. But I, even if you think about corporate America. Uh, if a CEO inherits a company and then the company, let's say they were selling uh, defective devices that burned people by accident, right? The CEO, who now represents it, even though he had nothing to do with the development, nothing to do with the sales, uh, he just walked into this situation. He now has to, as the head of the company, pay whatever costs are associated with with the uh with the lawsuit that's going to happen, right? He has mm-hmm. to rectify the situation. He has to be a part of that settlement. Now he doesn't have personal culpability, right. but he does have cor- corporate culpability. So the church does as well. Mm-hmm. I-, I mean, I know with uh, my church's uh, Southern Baptist Church, when the uh, sex abuse study and report came out a year ago, we were going through Daniel, and we happened to be mm-hmm. on Daniel nine, where he's corporately repenting on part of, uh, on behalf of. Israel, I basically ripped off his, his repentance, and we as a church prayed that. My church, to the best of my knowledge, we've never gaslit sex abuse victims. We haven't uh, uh, perpetuated any abuse in our church, mm-hmm. but we represent something larger than us as individuals, and we need to let people know that this is, um, this is not okay. We, are not, we, uh, we condemn this, and we want to do whatever we can to help people who are in similar c- circumstances.
1: Yeah. Clearly, it's evident in this passage that uh, generational wounds, injustices matter to God. Mm. And he got David's attention and said, you knew about this. And I know that you didn't do it. But this is an injustice that you can help make right. And he did. And then God answered prayer on behalf of the land. Time does not heal all wounds. We cannot just leave injustice for God to sort out in eternity. There's a part for us to play. When we are aware of an egregious sin against a person or group of people, the right and righteous response is to acknowledge and remedy that offense. Verbally, of course, but also tangibly. That's what God asked of David. And I think he asks of us as well. Perhaps that's why David's last words in chapter 23 are,
3: When one rules over people in righteousness, when he rules in the fear of God, he is like the light of morning at sunrise on a cloudless morning, like the brightness after rain that brings grass from the earth.
0: How can Christian leaders get God's renewed blessings? By doing what is right to correct sinful decisions made by leaders in the past. As we just heard, God cares about righteousness, and sin does not have an expiration date. I trust that today's discussion of God's Word has been helpful and served as an encouragement to not just be hearers of the Word, but doers. Together, let's bring God's Word to life, to our lives, this week. The Crosstalk Podcast is a production of Crosstalk Global, equipping biblical communicators so every culture hears God's voice. To find out more about this educational, nonprofit organization, please visit www.CrosstalkGlobal.org. You can also support this show by rating it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're enjoying it. Be sure to listen next Friday as we continue our discussion of 2 Samuel. You won't want to miss it.